We at the Rouge Rugby wish to extend our condolences to the family and friends of David Robinson. David served as a referee for over 30 years with Rugby Alberta and Rugby Canada, refereeing in over 20 countries, as well as being a sighting commissioner for World Rugby and Major League Rugby. He shall be missed. everyone and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Hugh Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, we've just had the second round of the pool stages in the Rugby World Cup. You know, great things to talk about with Canada's game against Italy. Um, but did you watch any of the other games happening this weekend? I, uh, yeah, dove into it a little bit. Obviously, man, the, the Rugby World Cup has obviously been outstanding. Um, that Fiji South Africa game, unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, that was unreal. Um, your, your Wales, um, what a highlight reel that they put on. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. on the wrong side of the highlight. Reel. For, yeah. Um, but there's yeah. a lot of highlights from that game that you can watch. Um, I know, I know you, uh, you slept through it because you had to like prep for a race or something, but, um, just, be known that you uh, didn't miss much other than a lot of really nice Black Ferns tries. Um, speaking of really nice tries, too, uh, Mateo Carreras uh, from uh, Newcastle with, like, arguably one of the best tries of the season. Oh, yeah, that, definitely the that's best right. It's been on a few so uh, social media channels making yeah, the rounds. I, yeah, exactly. I don't I've watched that try like 50 times. And I don't understand the acceleration that he has at the like halfway line. Like he just, he doesn't look like he's like, the video is weird because it's like he's running side by side with a player and just like takes off and something like, I don't know if it's just like the angle, but it looks like, uh, it looks like he hit like a Super Mario mushroom or something and (laughs) just took off. Um, So that was an unreal try. Um, So, I mean, like, yeah, there's some, uh, the Saracens won. So I'm always happy about that too, despite as the, you know, surviving a huge comeback from uh, the last place team in the league, guys. It's, uh, it's, we can, uh, maybe play a little bit better than that um but also like i mean so you're mentioning that it's like yeah it was a great week for rugby also a bit of a sad week for rugby and uh you know rest in peace wasps yeah it's seen so wasps have gone into administration similar to the worcester warriors this was always yeah. something that were the high potential for happening this uh seems to have been caused not only by um, you know, COVID payments just taking a bit longer for people to get back in the stands and somewhat, but it's also uh, in part due to the Wasps' move from High Wycombe to Coventry and the loan repayment they had to do for that. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, it's really sad. And, you know, I think at least for uh, English or Premiership rugby, I should say, there should now be a focus on how do you ensure the long-term durability not only of these teams but as the league itself because now you have um teams like Leicester Tigers who are going multiple weeks now without any it's home games yeah. because their home games were against Worcester and Wasps and now I was say, yeah the Tigers had happening. the wild schedule right where like they're like barely playing for the next month now yeah. to me what I think they should do on those days is just have a like 
uh, rugby skirmish and have like a uh, possibles versus probables. Well, I saw. Game. What team announced that they were going to play the Barbarians instead? Uh, that was uh, Northampton Saints. Northampton. See, like, I, it, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, that's cool, especially if that's a, a was supposed to be a Northampton home game, right? So that's probably a yeah. good way to, like, you know, sell some tickets and maybe, you know, I guess save some of the clubs, like, a little bit, like, get back some of that home game revenue that they could have made um, yeah. if they were playing the Warriors or the Wasps. Um but I'm also kind of like from like, I guess, like a tactical actual rugby standpoint. I'm not sure. I, like, do you want to risk your guys getting injured playing the barbarians in the middle of the premiership season? Like, well, so it's like, I, mean, I don't know. It's a bit of a like maybe a double edged sword there or whatever. I'm not really sure what the best outcome is. But uh, so let me just have a quick check because this was only announced on Friday and so it appears that that game will be on Saturday, the 26th of November. So this basically, I think that means it falls within the international window, or if not, I think it's probably just after. It may be like yeah. the last uh, week in November, so it's just outside the international window. So if this was a game around then, you got to be thinking that a lot of the international players uh, won't be available because they'd have just finished... Um, playing those international yeah. uh, games, some play. I think England are actually playing a game that Saturday as well. Yeah, uh, but I can't remember. But so what I think it, it probably will be like the Barbarians playing, but it will be a lot of the guys that are in, say, the Premiership Cup, for example. There's not. It's yeah, not. The, it's still, not the first team. It's you the. Still wouldn't want those uh, guys getting hurt playing like an exhibition game in the middle of the season either. Well, well, you can argue that if um, this had been uh, Worcester or Wasp, I'm not entirely sure which uh, team they say they're replacing. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, so yeah, Worcester. So it would have probably been a um, first Ooh. ranked team, or as first ranked team as you can get, going yeah. up against what would have been Worcester Warriors. So then you can argue. Well, you'd be playing these guys anyway, and you'd be playing um, top well, level rugby. So the risk of injury is probably greater. Uh, well, or, like, nah. I mean, obviously, if like you had to actually play the game or whatever, yeah. you would obviously play the game. Yeah. Right? But it's like, like I would imagine, like a team early in the season, if you have, if it's like, say, like okay, you have the Wasps in like November. Like, then maybe you're like, oh, yeah, let's bring in the Barbarians or something. But it's like, if you have, like, the Wasp of the Warriors on, like, the second last week of the season, going into, like, you know, the postseason or whatever. Oh, yeah. You, or you got a Champions it. Cup match the next week. No, no, you wouldn't. Like, you don't. That's the thing. That's the thing. This is the last week of November. Yeah. So, yeah, you're that's, not feeling. So that's okay. I don't think teams are going to be. It's weird. They're, it's going to be. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be breaking their backs to try and get yeah. like a. It's not like oh, you know, we'll have Georgia come in and yeah, play. No, it's, it's only gonna... within like the certain windows that are allowed. So in this be... case, it would be the autumn games. Yeah. You know, maybe when it comes to uh, the Six Nations, if there were any games in the Premiership that would have had um, Worcester or Wasps uh, yeah. playing then. But I think it's just because it falls within a manageable window. Yeah, for, like, I mean, if you're uh, the Saints, the host, that it makes sense to have it. I was just gonna say, I think like ultimately, it's like you just gotta kind of feel bad for the players, the staff, and 
all the fans and stuff of the the team. Yeah, something like over Nobody... 160 redundancies. Yeah, like, well, yeah, especially from the job point of view, like nobody wants to see that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people that work for the team, like even just on the business side, that don't necessarily have an impact uh, on the rugby team on the pitch, but like sell tickets or do marketing or whatever. Um, so like that's that's things, and obviously, like I mean. From a fan point of view, too, like it's like you never want to see teams relocate and stuff. And I mean, no matter no matter how much trouble teams are in financially and stuff, there's always the group of diehard fans that you really feel bad for and stuff. And it's like at least the Wasp were like the Warriors where they had the owner come in and bash the fans for being part of the uh, the reason here. Yeah, so, which was just terrible, Um, which I mean, definitely wins you over nobody in doing that but uh hopefully uh hopefully the premiership uh can kind of get that sorted out soon because it it does yeah, suck well, especially midway through the season it's even yeah worse. right okay let's turn to the main focus the big rugby competition happening which is the rugby world cup and as we said at the start of the show it was the second round and it was canada versus italy the two highest ranked teams within pool b going against each other uh yeah it didn't start off great absolutely not um <laughs> Italy were able to recover the ball, uh, dodge tacklers, and get the first try of the match within 30 seconds. So, yeah, yeah. not too uh, not too thrilled about that bit. Um, ah, no, that wasn't the. Uh, you could start a game better. Yes, There's yes, better you ways can. to start games. Yeah, for example, when Canada played Japan and they uh, scored within the first. 60 seconds that was okay that was okay this game's kind of funny because it's like it started really bad you can kind of argue that it ended pretty bad but everything in between like there's 78 minutes in between that canada's really good yeah but it's like first we have to just ignore the first minute and the 79th minute we're good yeah but yeah oh yeah apart from those few minutes everything was pretty good well i say pretty good there were a few um Issues, especially when it came to things like tackling. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of missed tackles from, uh, admittedly, from both sides. But obviously, we're focusing on Canada. You know, we focus on real Canadian rugby, so we should. Um, but as expected, when you're facing the two highest ranked teams of any pool game, it is an absolute gladiator battle going on out there. Um, and you know. Neither side wanted to like concede anything, and their defense was both equally uh, talented in um, uh, breakdown steals, in getting forcing players to knock the ball on. There was a plethora of scrums coming through, um, you know, and there were scrum penalties as well for wheeling the scrum multiple times. However, sure enough, um, by the time we get to nineteenth minute. Uh, Paige Farries has come in off the wing. She's spotted a gap. She's through. She's under the post. And Miller is able to get a very easy conversion and Canada take the lead. Now we follow up. We're getting to the end of the half and there's a line out within Italy's 22. Uh, Canada have the ball. Who else is it going to go to as we march towards the line? But it is Totosi dotting the ball down her fourth of the tournament at this point. And then, so yeah, go to the break and it is Canada 12 to Italy 5. Then, so start of the second half, you know, the opening 10 minutes, you know, a bit of argy-bargy, a little bit of like back and forth play. Uh, Canada getting towards the line once again. 
you know, and, you know, we've had a few uh, attempts at like the pick and go, a few penalties in which uh, even Captain Sophie de Goody was trying to take quickly to get over underneath the post. It just wasn't working out. So pass wide. And it's Kalajuvi, who's just been having a fantastic tournament so far, able to get her first try of the tournament as well. And then a few moments later, you know, it's feels a bit like deja vu. It's uh, a line out in Italy's 22. Canada get the ball and uh, ball's going back. And who else but Totosi? Totosi is now the leading try scorer in the Rugby World Cup. Well, she's uh, tied with Portia Woodman. Oh, yeah. So tied. who... So, so when the sorry when when the game happened, yeah. Totosi was the leading. When the game happened, yes, and then and then the Black Ferns got to play Wales, and um, Portia Woodman promptly kind of, I guess, retook a tie of that lead. Um, two players that score tries very differently, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's a fair assumption, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, but you know, uh, five tries in two games, nothing to shy about. Unfortunately. Um, when it was uh, Totosi's first try, uh, Miller's conversion attempt uh, hit the crossbar, bounced back, so nothing there. Uh, uh was unsuccessful uh, conversion as well, and Sophie de Goody was unable to get the uh, conversion from Totosi's try. Then comes the interesting part, because this is something I want to talk about, is that in the 66th minute, uh, Emily Taylor, sorry, Emma Taylor, um, goes for a tackle a uh, bit late, and because she's uh, much taller than the player she's tackling, um, gets identified, and the referee says it's shoulder to shoulder, but then because of momentum, it's contact with the head, and Emma Taylor is showing a yellow card uh, with about 14 to 15 minutes left to play of the game. Uh, so... You expect that, oh, okay, 76 minute, when that comes around, the ball will get out and uh, Taylor will come back on, Canada will be back to full complement. But Italy take the ball quickly from every penalty they get. As a result, Taylor can't come back onto the field. So what should be 10 minutes now extends further and further until you get to the 79th minute. And this is when Italy finally get the break, finally go over the line, and Captain uh, Giordano gets the ball down as a final consolation try for the Azuri. Um, For Solari, much easier conversion as well. It's right next to the post, but it is you know a bit too little, too late as the final whistle goes, and even with Canada down to only 14 players, they take the crucial victory and the bonus point as they finish the game 22 to Italy's 12. This puts Canada on 10 match points, and as a result, they are now guaranteed a spot in the quarterfinals. What ranking they will be, we have yet to see. As uh, we've mentioned previously, when it comes to this World Cup, it will be decided on a ranking system. But interestingly, uh, the Black Ferns have 10 points because they've had a bonus point from their game against Australia and Wales. Canada have bonus points from the games against Italy and Japan. England only has one bonus point because they were unable to get it against France. So at this moment in time, Canada is ranked second and England are ranked third. So yeah. that will be a very interesting uh 
quarterfinal placement if those rankings remain the same after the third round, which is coming up this weekend. Yeah, uh, and that's going to be a big game too, obviously, the USA. So that's uh, that's a big rivalry. And I mean, I know the USA hasn't, I mean, they lost to Italy. They didn't really play well against Japan either, um, especially in the first half. That was bad. Yeah, um, that was disappointing. Yeah, yeah. But then it was a case of... They, they picked it up. But it's like, yeah. they. I was honest, I guess a little side tangent. I mean, they picked it up in the second half, but some of the decisions they made to like kick for points instead of going for tries at certain part, parts of that game, kind of, it's almost like there's a little lack of confidence there. Um, yeah, it's a um, little side tangent, on yeah. Play, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think like for Canada in this game, there's a, a few things jump out. So I was like, you know, there was obviously the first try sucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first try against that was real bad. Um, obviously, you know, just all like just a lot of like missed tackles, really. Like yeah. not not nothing like overly crazy. Um uh unfortunately that kind of seemed to be like a trend that really kept going through like the rest of the first half. Um like if you kind of look at like the world rugby stats or the rug that are on like the World Cup website yeah. or whatever, it's like I mean uh, like the meters carried for Italy is 525 to Canada's 389, despite yeah. the fact that Canada had like uh, 60 more carries. With yeah, ball, right, 60 more carries. And I mean, we can take into account the possession numbers and stuff too. Like, Italy really didn't have the ball very often, but you know, it's just like you have certain players like uh, Beatrice Ragoni that apparently wore a force field during this game. Um, mm -hmm. And you couldn't tackle her. Um, and they had a few of they had a few of those like big like just really big line breaks from like a missed tackle or two. I, I was I was gonna say like that's but I think like ultimately I'm like I don't know like that's really the only complaint that I think I have and it's not even that big of a complaint right like yeah. you have like they, there's some missed tackles right base almost every try that's not scored from like two feet out is a missed tackle. Somewhere. Yeah. Somebody had to miss a tackle somewhere for the score try. But like I think I, I think ultimately though, it's like you kind of look at it. So looking at the stats, right? Um, so again, World Rugby stats kind of has that Canada made 70% of their tackles. Yeah. Obviously, that's a really bad number, right? Yeah. Um, but if you kind of break it down into the halves, like the first half, yeah, they were in like the 70% range for yeah. their missed tackles right but like in the second half they got back up to like 88 percent, basically like 87 88 percent, which yeah. is is good i mean you maybe ideally you want that to be a little closer to 90 but like you know 87 percent. like so like the second half like they cleaned up those missed tackles a lot yeah right? it's like they didn't necessarily clean it up enough to like make the stat number balance out a little bit more but like they cleaned it up and they cleaned it up a lot in the second half um you know there's obviously some handling errors and stuff which you know we talked about that last week but i think the thing is though it's like despite these mistakes that were made and like the missed tackles obviously led to tries especially that first one despite those mistakes like we said it's like italy scored a try in the first minute and they scored a try in the last minute with uh taylor in the bin so they didn't like right the other 78 minutes of this game Canada dominated it. Yeah. Like I mean like it's 
like you know what i mean like you take out that other yeah. seven the, like with the exception of the first and last minute of this game so 78 minutes of this game it's 22 nothing canada yeah right and you know which like it's obviously good like they dominated possession they had most they had they dominated possession territory right the the pack like italy's pack looked like they didn't belong on the field yeah with especially at the set piece Basically, right? Like the, I mean, it's, we talk about the line out and being like, yeah, Tatosi had another two tries. They like the, the mall is destroying teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like if you're the USA, like, I don't like you honestly look at this and be like, you can't give up a penalty within, like, you can't give up a penalty, like, within, like, in your own half because that's going to be a five meter ball. Right. And it's like, you're, you're probably giving up a try at that point. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, the mall, the mall's killer. The scrum is killing teams. The one thing too, like even with the mall, which is kind of scary when I was, so um, for Cal Juvie's try, when I was watching this live, right, and Italy gets the penalty, in my head, I was like, go for, like kick for the line out because the mall is just dominant. Yeah. Right? Um, Canada didn't do that. They quick tapped. And when I was watching it immediately, I was like, uh, like, I don't know, like, why are you, I was initially thinking like, oh, why are you quick tapping? Like your mall is dominant. Like just kick it to the touch line and then roll your mall over. Cause you haven't seen a team in this tournament that can stop it yet. Um, and then they played that and they just scored a try off the quick tap anyways. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, that's the spot that you're in. It's like you can score in tries from everywhere. Right. Uh, Paige Ferris obviously had a really nice run and stuff too. Yeah. Um. So like she had a great try. Cal Juvie had a great try. Um. Tatosi's tries. Tatosi's tries are like the hardworking tries and the big team tries. Um. Yeah. But like there's there's showing that there's a little bit of an showing and a bit of an ability to score tries multiple different ways, right? Um. Yeah. And with some more players, obviously, too, like uh, Paige Ferries and Cal Juvie, the backs getting a little bit more involved in this, um, game as well. Um. Fair, I thought both Fairies and Cal Juvie have had unreal games. Cal Juvie's been one of the Canada's best players for the first two games, too. Um, so nice to kind of see her get rewarded for that. Um, this is probably, I think this is the best game I've seen Paige Fairies play. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, right? like, that was a, I mean, we'll be talking about this when we go over the laws of the game, but her tackle, you could hear the hang, the hanging silence from the contact until you heard the crowd yeah. react. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, like that that hit was huge. And I think like that's almost that hit to me too was almost like like at, at least like in my opinion or like watching like you could watch how like the other Canadian players react to that and yeah. it's like they, they, like especially in media cuz that was toward the end of the first half, right? And it's like there were some moments of kind of struggling in the first half, especially like we talked about the missed tackle thing, right? And I think yeah. like that was such a big hit too. You can kind of see the energy that that gave the team, and yeah. they were like they were way better defensively after that too. Like a lot of the tackle, I, I would love to see like the stat of like how many like with the tackle percentage after that page fairies hit because it looked they they looked a lot better and a lot tighter defensively after that. Um, fairies made another huge tackle too after I can't remember which Italian player it was, but there was a really big line break. And she kind of chased down, um, chased down the player and tackled her around like the twenty-two ish, which yeah, you know, looked to save a potential try there. 
Um, so yeah, she was great in this game, lots of big hits and stuff. And then was also really involved like in the ruck and stuff. She came off her wing looking for work a lot, which was uh, great to see too. Um, yeah. And Cal Juvie, a lot of the same thing. Like, I think, uh, you know, she's, she's done really well defensively tackles, breakdowns, everything. Um, like I said, nice to see her get rewarded. Um, so is this where we segue to talking about the greatest player in the world or. Yeah, I think, uh. Again, talk about them. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna you gonna say? Are you what is you want? No, I I think you led that so well. You should uh, continue. Do it. Okay. Yeah. So Sophie Degutti is the best rugby player on the planet. Um, this is a hill I am willing to die on for anybody that disagrees. Yeah, just another, just absolutely dominant performance. Yeah. Um, uh, Sixteen carries across the game line, the most of any player from both teams in this game. Um. Like I said before, when it came to the uh, Sarah Kaladuvi uh, try, she was uh, tapping the ball, ready to go and uh, deliver the try herself. Obviously, unsuccessfully, but you know, kept the ball live for Canada, kept it going. Um, yeah, that no, she's one of a kind. There's no one like her. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and you know, just unreal too. She's got like almost. She's got nine more carries than anybody else in the tournament, too. She's picking up the meters with it. Um, you know, in like the build up to like Fairy's try too, like she had she was like got every like second carry, basically. Um yeah. like, the offense kind of really runs like you know, sort of runs through her being, you know, off of that, like, you know, that that sort of first receiver type thing, and right? And I think as well too, like the line, like we're talking about the Tatosi tries, obviously, right? Yeah. Uh, part of that though is that those those tries are from lineouts, right? Yeah. Like most or all of them are off lineouts, right? And part mm-hmm. of that lineout, and I mean, I'm saying this, I'm not a hundred percent sure if uh, De Goody actually got the ball on both of the tries. Now that I'm actually thinking about it, um, but like she's been dominant in the lineout too. And like part of that is why, like, yeah, the malls worked because like that line, the first part of getting that mall to work is you have to connect on the line out and the goodie's been unreal. Um, and, uh, you know, to uh, seems to find her hand, their steady hands like quite often. And, yeah. you know, like that's been working out and obviously like a huge, like, you know, a huge effort defensively all the time that tackles being around the breakdown, um, you know, just like, just kind of like a constant, um, you know, just like constantly the best player on the pitch, like no matter what team they're playing. I know I tweeted like early in the game, be like, yeah, just give, I think after that tackle, um, the chase down tackle is like, just give Paige Ferries the player of the match right now. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, as you kind of keep watching the game, it's like realistically, like I know I said that because I was like, Ferries I thought was standing out because it's one of the best games I think I've seen her play. Um, but it's also at the same time, it's like Sophie de Goody should be the player of the match at every single game she plays. Yeah. Um, right. And as like I was listening, I was listening to like a hockey podcast earlier, and um they were talking that they were kind of talking about how like, you know, players like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, if their teams lose, they kind of stand out just because like their standard, like the bar that they've set for their performance is like dominating a game. Yeah. Right. And I feel like you know, Sophie de Goody is almost like in that kind of echelon of like yeah. the like she should be the player of the match in every game. Like she should have got player of the match in the game against Japan too, or whatever. Yeah. But like Tatosi gets three tries, so that's obviously who you give it to. But it's uh, 
like it's one of those things where it's like she just seems to dominate every single game that she's in and she's the best player on the pitch no matter what um so looking forward to seeing that continue during this tournament looking forward to seeing it definitely continue against the usa next week and then through the tournament as a whole and mm-hmm. uh, man yeah it's just a treat to watch right now and i mean you know how many forwards take a you know touchline kicks at goal too like it's, it's exactly exactly um unfortunately it was announced just prior to the kickoff of this game on the tsm broadcast that uh taylor perry has suffered a knee injury and her world cup has come to an end she will remain with the team in new zealand until the conclusion of canada's involvement in the tournament um no heartbreaking for her i understandably um considering everything of like this tournament being delayed and then finally being able to go over there only to suffer this injury um we wish taylor swiftest of recoveries and we hope to see her in the uh red and white of canada uh not too long so yeah we were talking about that uh last week because uh perry was scheduled to start and that um was quickly pulled and unfortunately it's uh this is the result so yeah you know sorry to put a bit of a downer on that but uh hopefully um perry can help um inspire the um her teammates and hopefully uh continue the good strong morale that seems to be happening with the canadian team and hopefully sees them all the way through to the finals right let's uh let's rip the band-aid off because we need to talk about some of these other results as well now i had uh i don't know whether the pleasure or displeasure of watching scotland australia because Whew, that was or, or, or what i should say is i had the pleasure of watching scotland lead for I think it was like the first 75, 76 minutes. And then only to, even with Australia having two red cards and going into overtime, Scotland with possession, they just couldn't get it done. And the final score, Scotland 12, Australia 14. Yeah, Scotland pick up a losing bonus point like they did last week, but this is pretty much um, them out of the tournament because who are they facing next week? New Zealand, and we'll get onto their results later. Uh, the other clash of Pool B, the USA versus Japan, as we said, um, not a great start at all for the USA. Losing at halftime, too. Uh, halftime five seven uh, behind. Although the final score, they were able, they were able to turn it on in the second half. The final score, USA thirty, Japan seventeen. Now came the clash of two of the top teams in the tournament and, you know, one that I'm sure a lot of fans around the world were eager to watch. France versus England, you know, very tense game. Defensively driven, as you can tell by the score. The final score, France 7, England 13. England continuing their unbeaten winning run. Uh, Then we move on to Wales, New Zealand. Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, the halftime score wasn't it? great anyway. But uh, yeah, did you, yeah. did you end up watching it after? I know you had to uh, prepare for like a marathon or something. Yeah, so I was uh, running in the Toronto Waterfront Marathon on the Sunday when this game was being held. Um, I say marathon, which is forty-two kilometers. I was only running five of them, but uh, oh, so you you missed out on the other uh, whole man. Yeah, I, I, I think I I think I made the right decision of getting a good night's sleep instead yeah. of uh, 
staying awake and watching this. I mean, I kind of knew the result already. One's a <laughs> professional outfit that has won the World Cup multiple times, and the other's Wales. Yeah. So, yeah. So, final score Wales 12, New Zealand 56. You know, it's not the worst score from the tournament so far. I mean, England have uh, absolutely bodied Fiji in their opening game. So, I'm okay with that. And speaking of Fiji, we had the final game of the weekend Fiji versus South Africa, two of the lowest ranked teams um, in the tournament. And yeah, yeah this was the back and forth. Best games uh, of the tournament. Though. Exactly. So Fiji actually had uh, two potential tries uh, disqualified because of forward passes or. Uh, accidental knock-ons and stuff but it was and so south africa was leading by three points right up until the final minutes where fiji get the ball over not only getting the try and the conversion but getting their first win in world cup history in the women's world cup at least fiji 21 south africa 17 yeah so south africa kind of got sucked into playing fiji's style which yeah, that that's that's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for heard. disaster, but realistically, the world would be a better place if everyone played rugby like Fiji. Yeah, well, I mean, Fijiana proved at the um, sevens in twenty twenty one that they've hmm. uh, come distances and played. And you know, we've seen how seven styles has affected the men's fifteens team, and now it's clearly having benefits with the women's fifteens team as well. So. Yeah, congratulations, Fiji. Um, you know, if I, uh, probably going to finish third in the pool. I mean, there are tough hitters coming up of uh, France and England, respectively, for both those teams. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But uh, coming this weekend, it will be Italy. Not Italy. Uh, Italy will be playing Japan, uh, I think, first. But then after that, uh... it will be Canada versus the usa and that will be on uh, tsn at 10 15 p.m eastern time on saturday october the 22nd right so we um so we talked about things like tackles and i think we need to bring back the uh, laws of the game when we're talking about tackling in rugby because it can Kind of feel weird because sometimes you can hear the referee shouting tackle or you can hear them shouting like ruck and stuff like that. So this is to determine what a what act, what a tackle actually is, which may seem uh, obvious to you and me, Derek. But, uh, you know, some people it can be pretty confusing. So, hey, I mean, to, the NFL still doesn't know what a catch is. So, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, hard to hard to really understand. So uh, this is coming from an abridged version of the World Rugby uh, Law Book, which you can find on uh, World Rugby's website. But a tackle can take place anywhere in the field of play. So, you know, between the sidelines and between the end lines. The actions of players involved in the tackle must ensure a fair contest and allow the ball to be available for play immediately. So for a tackle to occur, you have the ball carrier and the tackler. And so... The tackler will go in, the ball carrier will have to be held by the tackler and then brought to ground by the tackler, possibly some other opposition players. Um, but, you know, there's at least one tackler and there's at least one ball carrier. So being held means that a tackler must continue holding the ball carrier until the ball carrier 
is on the ground or it's gone to ground as it's known. So if a tackler goes in and, you know, arms go around, but they don't get a grip, they just fall down, the player can carry on running. That's not a tackle. So play can continue. Uh, now, being brought to ground, that means obviously the player has come down, but by the very least, it means that at least one knee is on the ground as well. So you've seen in the game of Canada against Italy that players would be um, tackled by the tackler and you know you have a few other players coming in and then you'd see the ball carrier get uh, dropped to their knees. So they're still in their body, they're upright, but their knees are on the ground. You hear the referee shout tackle and that is an alert to all the players that the tackle has now happened. So um a tackler also something to mention because someone asked about the page Farry's tackle is that a tackler must not raise the ball carrier's legs above their hips so this is known as going over the horizontal so once your legs go over the hips you're basically going into a dangerous position uh, is also the tackler's responsibility to bring the ball carrier down safely you can't just tackle them and then when they're lifted up let go you have to bring them to ground. It's been loads of instances where a uh, bad tackle has happened. And as a result, the tackler has been red carded. Uh, penalties have occurred as a result. So it's very important that the tackler is brought, that the tackler brings the ball carrier down safely, doesn't put their legs past the horizontal. And that's why Paige Farrow's tackle was perfectly fine, was because even though it was a strong hit, she didn't take the player past the horizontal. She didn't lift the legs above the hips. So it was all perfectly okay. So once the ball carrier is brought to ground, the tackler must release their hold. And failure to do so results in the penalty. You'll sometimes see the referee give a penalty and then do an action where it's the arms across the chest and then opening them out. That is a sign of um, tackler not releasing. And... Uh, but likewise, it's not just the tackler. The ball carrier must uh, make the ball available. This can either be passed to a teammate, so it can be an offload on the floor, or it can be just pushing the ball back as the tackle then becomes a ruck. Ruck we'll talk about next time, uh, but don't worry about that. All they have to do is make the ball available. So um, now in the... Uh, Canada-Italy game, there was an instance where a Canadian player was tackled, they went to ground, and then they rolled over and then put the ball back, but the referee gave a penalty to Italy. And the reason for that is because uh, the ball um, wasn't made available, and they moved with the ball on the ground. That is known as a double movement as well. It's uh, Double movements are mainly called out when it comes to scoring tries. So if the um, tackle, if the ball carrier is brought to ground, uh, they have to make the ball available. They can't continue playing the ball. Uh, so in that instance, they're penalized. And yeah, that is the basics of tackles in rugby. And as I said, yeah. uh, next week we'll be talking about rucks and possibly any other rules that uh, um, come up that have been flagged during gonna, the game. Yeah, I was going to say though the thing like with that that whole camp penalty that she did get called for with the extra roll it's like you can get up if you've been tackled 
you just have to release the ball, pick the ball back up again, and then keep going. So it's kind have, of well, well technic- technically, <laughs> once once you let go of the ball, yeah, the tackle phase has been completed because you've made the ball available. Exactly. So you can yes, you made the ball available to so, yourself, but, but like, it's it, 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 the idea is potentially that you know an Italian in in Canada or Italy's case, if a Canadian player had done that, had let go of the ball and then picked it up immediately. Yeah. As soon as that ball's released, an Italian player could have come in, could have picked that up, obviously. I, I just think, like, because you can do that, sometimes players try it, but it just doesn't work out and you end up kind of getting called for it. Um, yeah. You're always trying to get that extra that extra meter. You, you got you to just find the edge just yeah. clearly. You got, And most importantly, the referee has to see it. Here's what I wanted to ask you, because I don't even yes. know the answer to this question. All right. What's a missed tackle? Like, what actually c- qualifies as a missed tackle? Well, that's. Like, I think we'll have to have a chat with James Steely because he's the stats guy. But, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think a tackle, a missed tackle. From the actual statistic you, point of view, like what determines a missed tackle? I say a missed tackle is when yeah. a tackle, a tackler begins but doesn't complete the okay, tackle. So, so okay. they fail. They fail to bring the ball carrier to ground. That is a missed tackle. Okay. So you have to actually make contact with the person. I so would if, say if you lunge so, at them and completely miss. Is that a missed tackle? No, I think you do you have, have, you have to, to make, make contact. contact. See, this because that's like I was genuinely wondering this because, like, I remember I know in hockey, for example, yeah. um, there's a statistic that's hits, which is kept track of by like off ice officials and stuff watching the game. Yes, right. But in hockey, notoriously, there are certain arenas. Um, in like at the very least in the NHL, who whose off ice officials are a little bit more or less lenient on what they consider a hit, right? So that's why it was kind of like, is it like a sub? And even like baseball has errors, which is basically like somebody being like, you should have caught that, right? And it's like, yeah, a tackle, like as a missed tackle, does that come down to like, is that just somebody's like opinion of like, you should have made that tackle? And it's a missed tackle or like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, is is there like, if you're saying there's got to be contact, so it's like, should somebody have made that tackle? But it's like, oh, but you were out of position. So you couldn't have made that tackle, but it's still a mistake, but it's maybe not a missed tackle. Like where's the, what's the contact? Because I think if it was a case of, you know, a player says goes through a clear gap, the two players in either side of that gap can't get to them but one of them lunges and is nowhere near that player yeah like that's not a missed tackle that's just a vain attempt at a tackle so you have to actually you so you have to actually like make contact or something yeah i i believe it is but again i think it's very the interpretation of what a missed tackle is uh, varies. Yeah. See, because what I'm looking at, which I think is is funny and or interesting, right? Is there's a defender's beaten stat as well on yeah. the site, right? So Italy has 24 defenders beaten, right? And Canada has 12, 24 missed tackles, whereas Italy has 19 missed tackles, which matches Canada's 19 defenders beaten. So is that all it is? It's like you have to, but like you can beat a defender without that defender making contact with you too, right? So that's possibly. And 
Again, they don't explain how Again, they find this, these stats, so yeah. we're, we're follows, just speculating. I was going to say, this follows our now LaRouge rugby tradition of like not actually doing research before recording this. Hey, yeah, we do we do our research when it matters. Yeah. Uh, I just generally and, don't know. Like, I haven't actually... I, 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 I kind of kid. I did like kind of look around, but I haven't actually found like an answer of like what it like the actual definition. I'm just curious what the actual definition is. Like, I mean... Cause I don't know. I'm always, I always kind of want to like learn stuff. I wonder how that stats actually kind of tracked. Cause yeah. it's just like, if you're out of position, cause that's what I mean. Like if you're out of position, right. You can yeah. theoretically say that that player beat you. So that could be a defender beaten. If you're just like slight out of position. Yeah. But, but I, I, I don't an know. attempt to tackle. I don't know. Either way, either way. All right. Always learning. It's a complicated law book. I'm just, curious certainly is all right so we're going to move away from new zealand we're going to bring it back to north america as we're going to be talking about some mlr news most importantly the toronto arrows now this is the issue because last week we recorded on the tuesday after um canadian thanksgiving so we had more uh signing news uh, but this time around, we only have the one piece of uh, news to tell you about Arrow's signings and re-signings because we're recording on the Monday again, which means by the time this goes out, uh, another signing would have probably happened. And that is that Kobe Faust has re-signed for 2023. Uh, so in the press release, he says that 2022 mm-hmm. curtailed by injuries, uh, but he was able to get not only um, a full 80 minutes, but his first start for the Arrows in the final game of the season against Old Glory DC. You know, six foot one, 220 pound. He's uh, already had 139 carry meters, 13 carries, 14 ruck arrivals, six tackles, and two tackle breaks. And that's only from four matches. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's see let's see what happens if when he gets a full season under his belt. Yeah, no, I uh yeah, no, I really like Kobe Fast. That's uh you know, he seems to be like one of those uh promising young Canadian players. So excited to see him back for the uh the uh the, the upcoming season. Yeah, it should be really good to see. Uh now there's this article on our friends America Rugby News uh website. Um uh, titled Big Decisions Looming for Major League Rugby. And it's talking about the MLR uh, owners, and that includes the uh, owners of all the uh, teams within MLR, have to make big decisions on the competition's future. After months of speculation, multiple sources have confirmed that the immediate fate of two existing franchises should be determined along with the potential of a new addition. So MLR fans are aware of this, but for those who are new to rugby and new to the MLR. The Austin Gilgronies and the LA Giltinis were disqualified from the 2022 MLR postseason and championship series. Uh, there are the results of irregularities found by the due diligence of a potential Austin sale and subsequent actions by then-team owner Adam Gilchrist. Uh, the article says it was deemed that Austin was likely in breach of the salary cap, though MLR were denied the opportunity to complete a full investigation. And LA were pulled after Gilchrist was determined to have violated the owner's participation agreement. Uh, since that uh, decision by MLR, 
Um, Gold Coast fortunes have plummeted with the near collapse of F45 value on the stock exchange. Uh, he has since um, been removed as CEO of the gym franchise. Uh, appears to have just gone radio silent. Uh, the last bit of news is that he sold two of his multi-million dollar houses in Sydney. So uh, and there have been rumours of a potential sale of Austin. They've been around since spring, along with allegations that the team's staff have been left unpaid for a large part of the 2022 season. There has been outside interest in LA, but there's been nothing finalised for either team. Um, for potential new entries, it is looking that uh, Chicago has the strongest bid that remains on the table. And it will be that the owners will decide what the outcomes for each situation will be. That is the fate of Austin, the fate of LA, and the future of potentially Chicago. But, you know, times are ticking. Now, this is a, what we're going to do now is what we love to do, which is wildly speculate. Well, on that's the, the future. thing, though, is because, like yeah. this meeting, the way this article is worded is that this meeting, like the meeting, I mean, has already happened. We're recording this on Monday. So this could be fun because by the time this I actually get this edited and put out, um, we might actually already know the outcome of all of this. So, so if you hear a sudden stop after the Kobe Faust announcement, that's the reason why. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so that's it. There's been lots of rumors circulating. If you go even onto the uh, MLR uh, subreddit, it yeah. is, you know, lots of hearsay, a lot of rumors coming from different people. Uh, regarding the the fate of different teams, so we've had one that was uh, one rumor that's come out today is that um, LA and Austin uh, will be replaced with the team from Chicago, and that'll be an expansion and a dispersal draft uh, for the remaining guild players. That seems to contradict uh, information that's happening with Tradewire. So back in uh, let's see uh i did have this up and now I just uh refresh the page and it's gone apologies well um so yeah back in uh august august 24th um nola gold received sally cap considerations for 2023 from austin in exchange for austin receiving the playing services rights to christian alvarez so yeah. it's even at one point that uh, austin was in a position to continue oh. with the team next year but... i mean as we've seen with the Premiership, like two teams that have been, uh, well, I don't want to say kicked out of the league, but two teams that are no longer in the league were literally playing games in the season that they're no longer in the league. So, I yeah. mean, it's entirely possible that somebody at Austin and somebody at LA who are have been making trades have been operating under the hope, at the very least, that they could be back. Um, yeah. But I, I think, like you said, though, it's like there's obviously a lot of, um, you know, a, a few rumors and stuff that are kind of gaining some steam. And Yeah. Um, I mean, another rumor is what happens. Yeah. Another um, rumor is that uh, the LA, uh, the LA uh, team is going to be purchased by a UK led group. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw that one. Too. Uh, well known figures associated with the uh, with Premiership Rugby being involved. 
Again, these yeah, are all rumors. Well, I, Nothing substantial has come from this. I don't at really the time understand why Premiership Rugby would be involved in an LA team when they can't get their own house in order. Well, um, I think it's just certain figures within. Um, yeah, I don't the team. Hey, like. Like I said, it's all like who knows um, yeah. what's going to happen. I think um, the ideal I mean, situation that I would honestly prefer to see is of, I want um, Austin to remain, I want LA yeah. to remain, and I'd like to see Chicago added. I understand that now, uh, with it being mid-October, it's going to be much harder to see, achieve because it's, it's like my. I think my like I think ideally you would like you never want to see franchises fold, no, um, or be gone, leave. or leave in any shape or form. Um, even like the Raptors thing, like, I mean, I still don't agree with what they did, but like, you don't want to see teams leaving or folding. Um, so, I mean, like, ideally, yes, you would obviously want to keep, I mean, it's very clear that you need a different owner. That's very clear. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I would like, ideally, if there's a way to keep a franchise in Austin and a franchise in LA, I think that's ideally what you want. I think though, like if both of them stay, I do think it's too late to add an expansion team. Um, yeah, I I, I think, I think in that circumstance, it would yeah. be you announce a team is joining, and but for this case, it would be joining in twenty twenty four. Yeah, so give yeah, them a year like, to maybe play. But I think that's what it games. Be. I think I think any expansion teams should be like give them like a year run up where you can like you know, like spread out some announcements and stuff like you can like do like the cool, like somewhere down the line, be like, all right, here's our logo. Okay. Here's our kit. Uh, you know, here's the first player that we're signing. Here's yeah, know, first player we're drafting. And you can kind of like, this is the stadium we're playing at play like a little, maybe even a little exhibition game or something. Yeah. Um, But like you to kind of have that build up. Um, if one of or both of Austin and LA are gone, um, then I I would understand maybe a little bit more of the urgency to maybe get a replacement team. Yeah, keep um, it at but, an even twelve. Re- yeah, regardless yeah. of which like which yeah. city that ends up being, I would yeah, and that in, a little bit. If more. that is the case, but, then having a dispersal draft of the players remaining with. See, um, Austin and LA, most of them probably will well, end well, up going to Chicago. And, and I think like that's that's the other thing. Like I, I mean, again, we're like waiting, we're like anxiously kind of waiting on what's going to happen. And I mean, by the time people are listening to this, perhaps we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but like the idea of a dispersal draft with the rosters of Austin and LA is very fascinating. Uh, to see kind of like how that would work. Cause like, I mean, it, it, even if just for the sake of argument, you did it in the same order as the collegiate draft and stuff like that could give, that could give some of the teams that say miss the playoffs, um, like franchise changing players. Cause those yeah. teams like Austin was, I mean, obviously like LA was a champion two years ago and a lot of their roster is still there. Um, Austin was the, one of the best teams in the Western Conference this year alongside LA, right? So it's like you have the teams um, that finished 1-2 in the Western Conference standings are going to have, and we could have a draft with all of those players. Like that's actually kind of a fascinating prospect. Um, but at the, again, like I go back to like, I hope there's a way to save those franchises. Um, 
despite the fact that you like they clearly need like a different owner or something um yeah. somebody else needs to take that over but like i hope there's a way to save the two franchises but i guess we'll see what ha- what happens and um you know maybe, maybe everybody knows <laughs> already and they're just laughing at how completely wrong we are yeah well we shall see we shall see and while there is no MLR rugby happening until 2023 there is rugby coming up this weekend so as we mentioned the Canada versus the USA they will in in fact all the games of the women's rugby world cup will be on TSN but that fixture Canada versus USA will be 10 15 p.m eastern time on Saturday October the 22nd uh, if you want to watch any of the remaining Premiership teams, as well as the URC, you can watch them on Sportsnet. And at the time of recording, the America's Rugby Trophy has already begun. Chile 15 beat Brazil 15 earlier this week in a very high-scoring game. The final score, uh, Brazil 36, Chile 57. Uh, and this Friday... Chile will be taking on Canada in the second round of fixtures. However, at the time of recording, there have been no uh, broadcast details revealed. But Mm -hmm. if you follow our social media channels, we will be able to inform you. And that includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And all of them are at LaRouge Rugby. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and would like to listen to more, you can do so on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple Podcasts. And if you like watching our beautiful faces, including getting some additional footage of interviews with players post-games, you can do so on our YouTube channel, again, at Le Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the find people find you? Uh, I'm at Brissette the Jet across all social media platforms where you can currently find a picture of Eddie Jones wearing a Blue Jays hat for some reason. It was 8 1. It, it was, was 8. eight terrible. Well, you can find me across all social media platforms at Hardmanswell, H4 R D M A N. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me as we've just completed the second round of the pool stages of the Rugby World Cup. I'm really excited for that game against the USA. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Rouge Rugby podcast, focusing on real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time.